Grace and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Psalm 119, verse 11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Life in the Lord is a life lived trusting the word of God. It's trusting that what God says is true. We seek to store up God's words in our hearts because God's word is good and right and true. And it leads us to do that, which is good and right and true. But Satan's always on the prowl. He's always seeking to get us to doubt or to disbelieve the word of God. And we see this. We see this on full display in Genesis chapter 3. Now, God had told Adam back in Genesis chapter 2, you may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day that you eat of it, you will surely die. Well, now comes the serpent, Satan himself, asking, did God actually say, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Notice how Satan overreaches here. Did God say you can't eat from any of the trees in the garden? He knows it's not the case, but he's beginning to seek to cause Eve to think that God might be holding back on her. He, he wants Eve to see God as being stingy, not as the creator who daily provides for all that she needs for this body and life, but she want, he wants her to see God as, well, one who wants to withhold good things from her. Now, how should Eve have answered? When Satan comes and Satan says, did God actually say, what should Eve have responded? She should have responded precisely with the word of God. No more, no less. Nope, here's what God actually said, right? She should have said exactly what God said. But listen to what she actually does say. We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. She adds to the word of God. Now, maybe this, maybe this is Adam's fault. Maybe, because she wasn't actually there when God gave this command. This was before she was created. God gives this command to Adam. It's his responsibility now to communicate this to Eve. Maybe Adam didn't do a very good job of communicating this to her, or maybe he added to God's command when he communicated it to her. I don't know. Or maybe, maybe Eve was kind of like the Pharisees. She wanted to just show how seriously she took God's law. So she was going to not only have what God said, she was going to even expand upon it. So, no, we can't eat from that tree. We can't even touch that one. See, this is how seriously I'm going to take this. Whatever the reason she was, she was not treasuring God's word rightly. She was not living according to God's word there. And the serpent sees an opportunity and he goes in for the kill. But the serpent said to the woman, 
You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Satan, of course, was lying. It's what he does. This is what Jesus says about Satan. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. You won't die. That's a lie. God's holding out on you. That's a lie too. Up until this time, Adam and Eve had known good. Now Satan says, oh, God's really holding out on you. You know good. You don't know evil. You got to get to know evil too. I, I think this kind of this thinking comes to all of us at one point or another when we're kids. We think our parents are really holding out on us. You just don't want me to have any fun. That's why you won't let me go and do those things. And as, you know, parents can be imperfect, it could be that the parents are overstepping at one point or another. But as I look back on my own childhood and all of the things that I thought, my parents are just, they just don't want me to have any fun. They're just holding out on me. And I look back now and go, yeah, no, that was a good decision, Mom and Dad. (laughs) Uh, They just wanted to keep me safe. Well, God doesn't give us his law because he wants to make our lives less enjoyable or because he just loves having rules and making us obey them. He gives us his law because he loves us. Well, you know how things went with Adam and Eve, right? Eve ate, Adam ate, sin entered the world, all creation was warped by sin. They brought the curse of sin into the world. So now sickness, anger, man's inhumanity to man, nature as a threat to man, all of these things and more come about as the result of the fall into sin. Like a mirror that gets dropped and it just shatters into pieces And there's no way you're going to be able to fix it. Uh, So Adam and Eve shattered the perfect bliss of God's creation. And when God confronted Adam about his sin, notice what Adam does. Adam doesn't say, oh man, you're right. I really messed up. He seeks to shift the blame. The woman whom you gave me, she gave me of the fruit of the tree and I ate it. Adam blames Eve, but really? (laughs) Who does he blame? God, it's your fault. You made this woman. You gave her to me. It's your fault, God. This isn't really my fault. Let's be honest. (laughs) That's what he's saying. And Eve similarly shifts the blame. The serpent deceived me. And I ate. It was the serpent's fault. God, God, you didn't have to make that, you know. You didn't have to create that in the first place. Really, let's, let's be honest. It's kind of your fault, God. <laughs> That's what Adam and Eve are trying to do. Because this is what we do when we find ourselves convicted of sin. We want to shift the blame rather than own it. Not rather than recognize our need to repent. So the curse of sin entered the world. And it has terrible consequences. To 
the woman, God said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust into dust. You shall return. Death, pain, suffering, hardship, all of these things come about because of the curse of sin. All of these things are brought because Adam and Eve did not live by the word of God. We'd really like to blame Adam and Eve, wouldn't we? Man, why'd they have to mess up? I'd have done so much better. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> well, how have you done? How have you done with trusting God's word? How have you done with huh, actually living according to it? How often have we tried to find a way around God's word? Because it's a kind of an inconvenient thing, and I kind of like to go and do this thing that God says I shouldn't do. How often have we decided, you know, God's word seems a little bit out of date. Maybe we can just ignore those parts that we don't really like. How often have we known exactly what God commanded and done otherwise? How often have we shifted the blame to somebody else? The result of our sin is just as ugly. As we look back at Genesis chapter 3, we can see tragedy. We can see tragedy. It's the fall into sin is just awful. And yet, if we look back at Genesis chapter 3 carefully, we're going to also see an awful lot of gospel. After Adam sins, what does God do? And they heard the sound of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man and said, Where are you? Obviously, God doesn't ask, where are you? Because Adam and Eve are just the best hide-and-seek players that you have ever seen. He knows where they are. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He knows exactly where they are. He doesn't say, where are you, to gain information. He says, where are you, as an invitation. Why are you hiding from me? Stop trying to hide from me. Stop trying to run from me. Come back to me. As the prophet Joel would later say, return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Stop hiding from me. Stop running from me. Come back. Adam and Eve hid because they feared God and because sin had brought shame. But God is merciful. Though the penalty of death remained, Adam and Eve lived long long lives. He doesn't take their lives right then and right there as he could have. 
And not only does he allow them to live long lives before they finally die, God promises there's one I will send who will overcome death, who will overcome sin. We get this first promise of the Savior all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. The very first promise of the Savior is right after the fall into sin. God says to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Or, as other translations put it, he will crush your head, and you will crush his heel. This is the promise of the Savior. The offspring of woman is going to come and is going to crush Satan's head. Well, who is this offspring going to be? It's interesting. Eve actually thought when Cain was born, ha ha, here it is. This is the one. Not so much. But born of Mary, offspring of Eve, Jesus does just that. He lays down his life as the perfect sacrifice for all. He is crushed, and he crushes. Verse 21 is another word of gospel. It sounds at first just kind of like, okay, God's just going to provide some material stuff for Adam and Eve, but there's a lot more going on here. Listen to what it says in verse 21. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin, and clothe them. Well, where did the garments of skins come from? There had to be a sacrifice. To cover their nakedness, there had to be a sacrifice. And what is this pointing forward to but Jesus, who gives his life as the perfect once-for-all sacrifice for sin, right? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He lays down his life, and then he covers us with a robe of righteousness. In baptism, you have been clothed with a robe of righteousness, so it says in Galatians. We have a lot of gospel following that fall into sin, don't we? I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Well, though we have actually sinned against God, in his mercy he's given us that Savior. And he gives us new words. He gives us his law. We should store that up in our hearts as well. But he gives us his gospel. And he wants us to remember those good words as well. Words like, we find in 1 John chapter 1, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Words like we find in Romans chapter 6, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ have been baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. 
Words like we find in Matthew chapter 26, and Jesus took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. See, life in the Lord is life lived, trusting God's word. It's trusting that what God has said is true. And God has spoken. Though you have sinned, you have a savior. Believe it. Though death may come, resurrection awaits. Believe it. Though your, skins, though, though your sins be like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Believe it. God's word is true. And his word is for you. Store up this word in your heart. Believe it and live from it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.